Welcome to Spirits Podcast, a boozy dive into mythology, legends, and folklore. Every week, we pour a drink and learn about a new story from around the world. I'm Amanda. And I'm Julia. We are so pleased today to have two authors, photographers, creative professionals with us, Karin and Reg. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining. Thank you. Thank Thank you so much for having us. We're excited to be here. (laughs) We are so excited to have you. And to get us started, how about you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are, what you do, and then we can get into all the the delightful fairy tale details. Sure, sure. (laughs) So again, um, we are... uh, photographers, but we like to say that we're more than just photographers. Um, We really use our platform as a way to empower kids of color around the world by showcasing their beauty, uniqueness, and creativity. And so, you know, we felt like there was a lack of representation of positive imagery uh, in terms of kids of color in the media. And so we stepped in to do something about it. So, you know, we showcase them in really cool ways. Uh, We, you know, kind of serve as dream makers for them. So whether, you know, they want to be a scientist or an astronaut, um, we really just try to showcase that in a really cool and unique way. Yeah, I know that one of the books we're going to be talking about, your your newest book, Crowned, but one of the books that really brought you guys into the spotlight was Glory, Magical Visions of Black Beauty. And yes. I, looking at the photography in that, it is absolutely stunning. Oh, thank you. I, I know you talked a little bit about it, but what in kind of inspired you to like come together and put these photos into a book that, you know, could could help bring kind of awareness to the ways that you can break the conventional beauty standards for Black children? Yeah. So, um, you know, we started a series called the Afro Art Series around 2017. Um, and that was originally started with just showcasing the beauty and versatility of Afro hair. But as we started to shoot it, we started to to realize that um, so many of these kids had, you know, so many unique and interesting stories, right? And so our first book, Glory, we highlighted, you know, each of the kids' stories. So, you know, we had a little girl who was a DJ. We had a a young girl who was an eight-year-old neuroscience expert, right? And so we highlighted these stories of kids across the African diaspora from here in the U.S., from the U.K., um, Ghana, Kenya, South Africa, everywhere. And so now with the crown book, it's, you know, kind of our take on um, fairy tales, right? (laughs) Um, Because we also, you know, saw the lack of diversity within that space as well. And so, um, you know, with the crown book, instead of it focusing on stories from each one of the kids, these are actually uh, fairy tales, right? So it's the first chapter is our take on existing fairy tales like Cinderella and Snow White and Goldilocks. But then the second chapter actually contains um, African folklore stories, right? Because we felt like, you know, we never hear about those, right? (laughs) We never learn them growing up. So, um, you know, we thought it'd be interesting to do our spin on kind of a modern take on some traditional African folklore stories. But then the third chapter we're super excited about because we get to highlight like new stories of our own, right? Um, new fairy tales of our own that we've created. We have, you know, a princess with no hair. We highlight a story about a little girl um, in real life. She has cerebral palsy, but, um, you know, we just wanted to showcase, you know, a diverse range of kids everywhere. Our frog prince uh, has albinism and uh, the princess has, has vitiligo, right? So, you know, we just have a wide range of kids that can really, you know, hopefully see themselves represented in these fairy tales. Yeah. Th- and it's really stunning. I love the retellings of all of the fairy tales, whether it be the uh, the African diaspora stories or the kind of classic European fairy tales. I would love to talk about let's we'll go through kind of chapter by chapter Mm -hmm. and and talk about it a bit. But I love the childhood reimagined, which is the kind of European fairy tales. And what I liked, too, about in, in reading a lot of them was one a lot of the stories in fairy tales tend to be very romance focused. (laughs) And obviously this is a a book featuring children and stuff like that. And I really liked that you changed a lot of the focus from like, this is not about romantic relationships, but this is about friendships and stuff like that. Particularly, I mean, the first story of the book rather is the retelling of the little mermaid that you did. Yes. And, One, love that she doesn't lose her voice in that. Exactly. Very good. Is able to stand (laughs) up for herself, which is also fantastic. 
Yes. And two, I love that it's all about her trying to like find these friendships out right. there and like find people that she feels like she belongs with before yes. realizing like, hey. And her realizing that all along, you know, she already had what she needed, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, I think Reg and I, you know, you can kind of speak to this a little bit, Reg, but when we were, you know, when we were kind of looking through to figure out one, which fairy tales we were going to do. And we started, you know, we were like binge watching all the fairy tales, you know, on YouTube and, you know, trying to trying to get through all of them. Um, and it was just started off like, you know, it was started off a little fun. And then I was like, oh, my gosh. What? And then almost every story we read um, and just reheard, we were just like, oh my God. The guy would say, like, the guy would save the day. Or, um, you know, Reg was like, wait a minute. He came in one day and we were like listening to uh, Goldilocks and he was like, wait. Like, first of all, what is this, what is the moral of the story? <laughs> like, second of all, Goldilocks just comes in and she just like snatches up their stuff. And, you know, <laughs> and there's no, so in our story, Goldilocks, she actually, you know, was a little girl who um, had everything, you know, materially. Um, she had all these material things. And when she went to the bear's house, you know, they didn't have a lot, um, but they had each other. And she realized that, you know, it wasn't about the material things that she would much rather, you know, have a family and people who love her rather than just being surrounded with all these material things and not have, you know, people around her. So, you know, again, we were, you know, trying to, you know, just do a modern spin on some of these stories um, because you have to think about it. A lot of these stories were written, you know, hundreds of years ago, right? And so yeah. um, the the themes then were different from <laughs> what would be relevant today. So <laughs> yeah, the themes back then were more like, hey, marry the person that your father tells you to marry. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And even when we were going through the, um, the African folklore stories, stories like a lot like almost all of those were about you know the girl being sold off you know what I mean uh for uh for marriage you know and so it was kind of like you know okay let's let's figure out a way that we can you know still tell these stories but you know in a more modern way yeah I feel like we needed to reprogram these yeah. Kids. <laughs> yeah 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 it's true and then when you realize that this stuff impacts what we think is normal or what we yes. are looking for when we are kids, you know, I think a lot of people end up just like, you know, buying books for their kids or watching movies with their kids. And then they're like, oh, wait, what the what the heck is this? Right, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I tell people, you know, because a lot of people are like, well, why do you want to remake these, you know, fairy tales in it? or it's just fairy tales? But I said, as a kid, you know, that's kind of all you have. You know, that's your first introduction to quote unquote, real life. Right. <laughs> and so, yes. um, you know, you look at these princesses and you think, oh, my gosh, you know, my my hair needs to be blonde and it needs to be long, you know, or, you know, my skin tone needs to be a certain way. And so it really just helps them to, you know, just see themselves represented and feel more included. Yeah. And I mean, we're seeing that right now with I don't want to promote Disney as like a thing, but like the Little Mermaid yeah, and uh, Holly it. Bailey. Yes. yes. It's, it's beautiful. <laughs> and seeing those reactions that, you know, these, yes. these and kids, seeing the color. kids all dressed yeah. up, you know, and just feeling like they finally have a part in it. Like, you know, it's it's huge. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I love that one. That was your first story. And your artistic interpretation of it is absolutely beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. And it, it makes me just so happy to see all these. And really, like, the the hairstyling and the artistry <laughs> is just stunning. Sorry, I just, I'm going to hype up no, this. No, thank <laughs> you. Thank you. <laughs> Unfortunately, we're an audio medium, but I'm going right, to, like, you yes. know, we'll, we'll obviously post links so that people yes. can pick up the book and check it out. Right. But it is honestly gorgeous. Thank you. I'd love to talk a little bit more about I guess the process of how you chose the the fairy tales that you mm -hmm. want to reimagine. I know you talked about kind of watching videos and trying to decide yeah. there. Was there like some that you were like, maybe we'll do that one, but it didn't make the cut or ones that you knew immediately that you want to do? Yeah, I can't remember which ones didn't make the cut, but I know, oh, like uh, we wanted to do um, Alice in Wonderland, but one, uh, the story was so long, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and yeah. we were trying to fit so many, you know, into this short format. Um, we just felt like like we couldn't really tell, you know, do the story justice uh, because I feel like, you know, it needed much more. Mm -hmm. And so we were looking at that, you know, in terms of the story and the length and, you know, how much we could pare it down for, you know, this particular book. But we were also looking visually to figure out, mm -hmm. you know, which ones kind of went with our style, which ones we were inspired by visually um, and which ones we felt like we could really, you know, do a good job and, you know, kind of putting our own spin on it. So we were, you know, looking at all of those things. Um, and then obviously we wanted to make sure we had both boys and girls included. Mm -hmm. And so we had to make sure we had a mix of, you know, boys and girls. And then for the new fairy tales, it was really, you know, just 
you know, we had a few different things we wanted to do. Like we had just watched that movie. Uh, is it Harder, Harder They Fall? The the cowboy movie, right? <laughs> and so we wanted to do like, a cow, you know, we always wanted to do some type of cowboy theme shoot. So um, we did that. Um, and, you know, the Candyland, uh, you know, we... Um, I actually was inspired by, there was a designer that we work with uh, in Chicago and she actually made all these beautiful like candy dresses and pieces. And so it's like, oh, we could do something really cool with that. So, you know, in that one, we kind of got to um, do our own thing. So one of the stories was actually inspired by a friend of mine. So she's actually the designer that did the Red Riding Hood um, and also Joker's Dragon. Mm-hmm. Um, she had kind of a tragic uh, story. Her uh, daughter was tragically killed um, in a domestic violence situation. Mm-hmm. And um, her grandson was taken away and, you know, she hasn't been able to to even talk to him or reach out to him. And that's been super painful for her. So she's been publicly like, you know, journaling um, and writing these stories for him. Um, just, mm. you know, um, hoping that one day he'll be able to see that, you know, his grandmother never stopped loving him, that she was, you know, still here. Wow. So she would, she had these stories about, you know, this Joka, you know, um, character. And so we worked together with her to create uh, this story, Joka's Dragon, you know, in honor of her grandson. So that was really special. And I was glad that, you know, we were able to do it with the thought that, you know, he would be able to read this and know that, you know, this was a dedication from his grandmother. So and she also created the, um, the outfit for that. Yeah, she and she did the, uh, the, uh, the wardrobe for it as well. So yeah, it was super special. I, I love that. I was going to ask a little bit more about kind of the inspirations for the, mm-hmm. the new stories that are featured in the third chapter. Yes. I am really in love with, in particular, the uh, the story of the princess with no hair. Can you tell me a little bit about the background for that? Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, my goodness. So first of all, Morgan is in real life. She's a little girl with alopecia and she is fierce. OK, <laughs> we actually just um, we just had our uh, crowned fashion show for uh, our launch party this past weekend. Amazing. And she was there and she was the life of the party. OK, <laughs> like, uh, yeah, we have like dancing videos of her where she is literally the center of the party. So, um, you know, I just love that about her. I love that she kind of hasn't let this condition define, you know, who she is. And I wanted that because I felt like, you know, with a lot of the fairy tales, it's always, you know, a princess, they have really long hair and they have this flowing hair. And I'm like, princess can have no hair, right? (laughs) Um, You know, she can, she can rock it with no hair and she does it well. And, you know, in this story, the aunt uh, of the story was actually trying to uh, she was mad at the the her sister, the the girl's mother, and she cut all the little girl's hair off, uh, you know, kind of in retaliation. And, you know, the little girl actually kind of turned around and taught her aunt a story, you know, that, you know, it wasn't about the hair and that, um, you know, she can be confident and proud without it. So, yeah, I just I love that story. I love that, you know, it kind of mimics her real life uh, yeah. <laughs> personality and character. And, you know, I just want to show little girls that may be facing a similar situation that they can be confident and proud as well. Yeah. The story does reflect exactly who she is. Yeah, exactly. She doesn't even want hair at this point. Right. Like she says, <laughs> like if she could grow hair, she doesn't want it, right? <laughs> I love that. Uh, so yeah, I love that about her. Like she is just super confident and like literally, you know, the life of the party, you know, when we were there. So <laughs> that's so beautiful. I really think that like a lot of the personalities of these kids that you featured really shine yes. through in the stories that they're featured in, the way you guys styled <laughs> them. It's it's such an awesome thing to see. And I love it yes. so much. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, that's beautiful. It's also so amazing to see kids taking up the entire frame of the shot. And like, I'm struck, especially with the with the girl you're just mentioning, who um, in the book is styled as a princess with no hair. Yes. One of my favorite images from the book has an adult kind of looking off screen yes. um, with her hands framing yes. <laughs> a, like beautiful, you know, like headpiece that this girl is wearing. And yes. it's just, I don't know, it's, it's such a moving like centering of kids, like literally and metaphorically. That was actually her mom. Uh, oh, her great. mom had no idea that she was going to be a hand model that day, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, she has beautiful nails, so. I was like, yeah, she had she had her nails done and everything. But, you know, we really, when we thought about it, because we were going through these, we were like, should we, you know, some of them obviously had adults in the story, but we really wanted the center, the focus to be on the kids. And so for this, you know, a lot of the story was about the girl and, you know, her aunt. And I just felt like oh, I needed something. So I said, you know, let's just have the aunt's hands, you know, in the story kind of crowning the girl at the end. And I felt like that was a good way to really center, like you said, center the focus on the model, um, but then still tell the story of the aunt, you know, kind of crowning her. Uh, so I love that. It's amazing. That's 
awesome. I, I'm such like a not a photography person. Yeah. So Amanda, <laughs> thank you for like bringing up photography questions for me. <laughs> Listen, I feel like I'm like inexpertly ordering a dish in French whenever I try to talk about visual art, just yeah. because my that is not how my brain like no, operates. It's <laughs> I wonder for the both of you, how does your creative process start with imagining? Because it to me, it seems so... Mm -hmm seamless that the words and and the photos really flow together so are those inseparable in your minds do you tend to start with one or the other i think for the most part we started with the imagery um so we you know developed mood boards for each one of these so the mood boards had you know our inspiration for clothing and the model and the hair and makeup everything and then that helped to lead the the story um so we had someone that kind of helped us with the stories to figure out you know how we can put them all together and she was really good about we really kind of collaborated collaborated back and forth to figure out, all right, does this make sense for this story? Okay. At first we imagine it this way, but the girl is actually going to be in this purple dress. So, you know, mm -hmm. we need to, to adjust it a little bit. Um, and so that was a really, really fun process in terms of, you know, kind of going back and forth and figuring out how do we tailor the stories to make it work for the actual images, because obviously we wanted the, the imagery to be the focus and then kind of tell the, the story around that. So. And I, I think you did a fantastic job in just like reading it and seeing the imagery and stuff like that. Thank you. I also really liked the way that like I'm particularly like on my screen right now uh -huh. I'm looking at the the beautiful image of uh, Ebony Black from oh, your yes. retelling yes. of Snow White and <laughs> yes. the Poisoned Apple. Yes. And I love that while you look at the colors, you know instantly who the character yes. is, but I love mm -hmm. the kind of like African influence on the, the outfit. It's beautiful. Exactly. And and I was like, you know, that story, it actually, I just already knew with the Ebony Black story, you know, we love um, when we visit Kenya, the Maasai culture, right? Like, and mm -hmm. we knew that the colors and everything would kind of tie in um, with that. And so we wanted to kind of incorporate a little of that heritage into the Ebony Black story. And so um, we actually had uh, the the process for making that dress was actually interesting <laughs> um, because it started with, I have a friend that we work with and uh, she's actually in London, but she hand beads uh, a lot of pieces that are kind of like modern. Uh, they're kind of like a modern spin on traditional Maasai beading. Wow. Um, and she had created this beautiful like corset piece that I loved. And it was for an adult, obviously. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I was like, oh my gosh, like that would be so perfect for the dress that I want, you know, that I envisioned for the Ebony Black story. And, you know, she doesn't usually do pieces for kids. And so she was like, well, if you can get me a corset, I'll, I'll do it for you. Amazing. <laughs> and so then I started looking, I was like, wait a minute, like kids don't have courses. That doesn't even exist, right? <laughs> right, so, right. <laughs> so basically it was kind of a... Um, Round the world collaboration. So our designer <laughs> in Chicago, she designed the corset. She shipped it off to her in London. She hand beaded it. The designer in um, Chicago also did the dress that went underneath, so the skirt and the sleeves. Mm -hmm. um, and so then uh, she shipped the corset piece, and we placed it on top of the dress that we created. So, <laughs> so it was really, really cool to see it all come together. Um, but yeah, it was it was really fun. I love that we were able to kind of incorporate, you know, that bit of culture and still make it work. Um, um, so that you recognize her as the, you know, the traditional character. Yeah. And what amazing collaboration to create it. That's that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's so fun. <laughs> and you style her with a, you know, Maasai shield and there's like a beautiful yes. like beaded figure in the photo as well. Yes. And like it makes all the sense in the world in the visual language you put together that she'll also have like a beautiful neon yellow tulle skirt, yes. you know, yes. underneath. <laughs> it's just it's so cohesive. You know, it's kind of like incorporating some of the traditional, but adding our own spin to it. And that's kind of what we do in our regular shoots anyway. So that part, I feel like kind of comes natural for us and also um the beautiful thing that i love about my wife is that she she uses our platform to give designers that don't get to shine a platform as well right right yeah, so yeah it's huge that. you know because i feel like a lot of times there's so many um you know talented designers that we've worked with in mm -hmm. other countries or you know just um even here um that you know, I feel like don't get the spotlight. And so by us incorporating them into our, you know, work, obviously it helps us because they have beautiful pieces, but yeah. it also helps to give them a platform as well. How do you go about uh, finding those people to collaborate typically? Oh gosh, social media mostly, yeah, <laughs> social media. But, you know, we get them from everywhere. We actually had the, the lady that I was talking about, the designer that made the uh, Red Riding Hood uh, piece and the Joker piece. Um, we had, uh, we were doing a photography workshop and this lady came up to us afterwards and she's like, 
I have to introduce you to Sarah Bunn. Like she is amazing. She does these like Afro-Victorian style um, dresses. And I just feel like your styles would mesh well together. So I went and looked her up and I was like, oh my gosh, her stuff is amazing. <laughs> and so we ended up working together on the Glory Book. Um, and um, then, you know, we worked together on this one as well. So yeah, it's all about you know, collaborating and making connections. I feel like, you know, every, I love that everyone gets to kind of put their own spin on it. Um, and I think it's what makes, you know, our imagery so unique. That's amazing. I was thinking so much. I, I'm glad to see that the image of um, Ebony Black in the like studio with the portraits of people on the floor yes. is featured on your website because it's so moving to have that like it's the self-reflection, right? It's like the frames on the floor. It's like other Black ancestors. Exactly. Exactly. And I said um, a lot of people don't realize those were all images of, I would say, powerful Black uh, female figures. So there was like Harriet Tubman, Sojourner Truth. All of those are images that are surrounding her. Um, and I just I, that's one of my favorite images because I feel like it's so powerful for her to be there surrounded by, you know, all of her um, these strong ancestors. Right. So and that made me wonder as well about the origin of your business, Creative Soul Photography, and kind of how that came about. I really love that you state your mission as believing that everyone deserves to truly be seen, which involves images, but obviously that word means so much more. So how um, how did the business come about and sort of what do you see as like, I guess, your day-to-day -day mission and work? What really yeah. lights you up and makes you excited to come into work? So when we first started out, we were doing, we were kind of like every other photographer. We were doing a little bit of everything, whatever you would pay us for, right? <laughs> um, and I was actually still working full-time uh, in corporate America, doing marketing and design and some other things. And so I just felt like we kind of came to a point where we would photograph a wedding and we would hate it, right? <laughs> or, mm. you know, we would do different <laughs> things. And I'm like, okay, if we're building this as our business, why would we build a business that we hate, right? Like, it didn't make any sense that we were going to be building this business that we were, you know, still going to not like it. Right? <laughs> and so, mm -hmm. um, you know, I felt like we always had a love for photographing kids. We just didn't know at the time that we could make a living from doing it. I didn't know any photographers at the time that were just focused on photographing kids. Right. And so um, we started to just kind of do personal projects on our own on the side where we were just photographing kids um, in our own way. And then um, we decided, uh, I don't even know why we decided on New York, but <laughs> we, um, you We'd know- we never been to, to New at York. At the time, yeah, we had never, that was our first trip to New York. <laughs> We didn't know it was going to be that crowded. We went to Times Square because, of course, if you go to New York, you're like, oh, yeah, Square, right. right. So, <laughs> so we had these like three little five year old girls and like this big Afro hair and these big poofy dresses in the middle of the chaos in Times Square. And it was insane. <laughs> OK, <laughs> um, but that's actually, um, you know, kind of the first time that we started to get traction. You know, we started to get, you know, some folks that shared it. Um, the reason why we ended up doing that in the first place was because we started to get in the kids fashion industry and a lot of the kids that had natural Afro hair would come in to get their headshots and the parents would have their hair straightened before they came in mm. because they thought that's what they needed to do to get their kid into the industry, get them into Gap sure. or Navy or whatever, right? And so we're like, wow, at an early age, we're teaching these kids that they're not acceptable, that their look is not enough, right? And so, house, yeah, right. and so we yeah. kind of took it upon ourselves to showcase kids, you know, looking fashionable with natural hair. And so that's kind of how we got started and how we, you know, we just kind of evolved from there. So now I think our day-to-day, -day, we, you know, really serve as dream makers for kids. So parents, you know, they book a session with us and we ask if your child could have the shoot of their dreams, what would it be, right? And wow. we obviously get some really interesting, uh, <laughs> some really interesting uh, responses, but we literally just serve as dream makers. Reg gets, gets nervous after that because now he has to go and make it happen, right? <laughs> uh, so he has to pull all the pieces together and, you know, whether they say they want to be a ballerina or, you know, whatever it is, we just try to make that happen for them. So yeah, it's, it's rewarding. Like, I love that space that we're in right now because it's really just the right, you know, a lot of people see our, our social media pages and they think that we only work with models. And I'm like, no, we just turn them into models, right? Like, yeah. Um, you know, we 95% of the kids that we work with are just regular everyday kids. And, you know, I love that because they appreciate it. They love it. You know, it's like a big play date for them. So what a powerful act of like self-assertion, you know, to, to yes. <laughs> for you to ask the child what and like perhaps the parents too for yes. saying like, I want my and, I want my child to have their vision taken to life. And I said, surprisingly, like, I love that. I would say 
98% of the parents that come like, you know, I, at first I put it up. So I do have a section where, you know, I give the parents an outlet if, because, you know, obviously they're paying, right? So mm-hmm. you know, I say, parents, do you have any specific preferences or requests, you know, so that I can figure out how to weave into it. But I would say 98% of them say, go with whatever the child wants, you know? Wow. <laughs> um, and I love that about them because it's, you know, it's really their day and it's letting them, you know, have a say in, in you know, um, what they want to do and what they want to be is really you know, a reflection of them. So the photos are really a reflection of them. And I love that. Yeah. To like see, to see your, your image of yourself made real right. outside yes. of your imagination <laughs> is incredible. Reg, what was the last request that made you think like, oh God, <laughs> how am I going to make this happen? It's not so much. It's just be like, when they want to be something like a unicorn ninja. Oh, wait, wait, kid. I got it. We got a good one. Um, <laughs> so the little girl who said, oh my gosh, if I could, find, I wish I could find her, her request, but she wanted to be a cheetah girl, but she also wanted roller skates. She wanted to pie a mannequin in the face. Um, she wanted to have Lizzo music playing, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Uh, (laughs) So wait a minute, wait a minute. I have it right here. So I'm going to read it to you. (laughs) Beautiful. Let's do it. So um, she says, I want fun Lizzo music playing. I would look beautiful, fierce, and scary. I like yellow and black and a hint of white. I would be sword fighting on a tropical island. There would be food in the pictures and at the photo shoot. I would be honing a lemon meringue pie and would be able to pie a mannequin in the face with it. I might also like to wear roller skates and I want to be like a cheetah. And I would love to have a cheetah cub in the shoot with me. <laughs> oh my God. Listen, she knows what she wants. And this so girl like, shout knows out to what that. she wants, but I said, it, yeah. You have no cheetahs. Yeah. <laughs> I have no island. But you guys have to see the photos afterward. We literally had a mannequin. And at the end, she did get to pie the mannequin in the face with her lemon rain pie. Oh my like, gosh. it was so fun. Like, her mom was, like, just over the moon. She she said, I had no idea how you guys were going to put this together. But her mom was completely over the moon that we actually bought all this together. She had this big, like, oh, my gosh, this extravagant cheetah gown with a long train. Wow. Um, she had a sword, you know, and this crown. And I mean, it fit her perfectly. And we had the Lizzo music playing. Naturally. And then it happened to be the day that she was going to see Taylor Swift in concert. So <laughs> she got to wear her hair out to go see Taylor Swift afterwards. So, oh my God. Oh, <laughs> this is the best, best day, day of this girl's life. So, like, like seriously, like she had the yeah. best day. <laughs> That I think that incredible. was the best day of my life. Right. Yeah, <laughs> just hearing about it. Yes. <laughs> oh gosh, that's incredible. I want to see those photos. Please send them to us if you can. Yes, I will definitely send them over because yeah, they are epic. <laughs> so I stress out the fact that I can't. I think I overthink things a lot. So yeah. Like, How am I? Do, I'm gonna do all this. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I think I kind of. I think, but now I kind of, um, you know, will do a lot of the pre-planning up front. And so that, it, you know, he doesn't have to do some of the earlier stuff. And then by the time it gets to him, I'm just like, okay, Reg, look, I need, you know, a sword. I need this. I need this. You know what I mean? And it makes it a lot easier. Yeah. Oh, gosh, that sounds like such an incredible process. I love that so, so much. Yeah, it's really fun. Let's uh, talk a little bit more about your process and maybe a little bit more about the African folklore stories that you feature in Crown. Mm-hmm. But first, let's take a quick break. Hey, it's Julia, and welcome to The Refill. Let's start off by thanking our newest patrons, Sarah and Noah. Thank you so much for joining the ranks of people like our supporting producer-level patrons, Alicia, Anne, Brittany, Fruity Chick, Hannah, Jack Marie, Jane Nieselkins, Lily, Matthew, Megan Moon, Nathan, Phil Fresh, Rico Like, Captain Jonathan, Malachi Cosmos, Sarah, and Scott, and of course our legend-level patrons, Ariana, Audra, Bex, Chibi-Yokai, Morgan, Morgan H., Sarah, and Me Up Scotty. And you too can join the ranks of our patrons over at patreon.com slash spirits podcast. You can get recipe cards for every episode, ad free episodes, and so much more. Check it out at patreon.com slash spirits podcast. I love to recommend things for y'all. And today I'm going to recommend a book that I am right smack in the middle of, but oh boy, I love this chunky book so, so much. It is A Day of Fallen Night by Samantha Shannon. It is the prequel to The Priory of the Orange Tree, which you might have heard me recommend on the podcast before. So good, beautiful, high fantasy world building and so many gay couples. I'm obsessed. Really, really love it as a prequel. It's such a good prequel 
article that it's making me want to reread Prior of the Orange Tree when I am finished. So that is A Day of Fallen Night by Samantha Shannon. Go check it out. And if you wish that you had more Multitude shows to catch up on, good news! We make a weekly debate show featuring all of our hosts called Head Heart Gut. Each month we take an iconic set of three items from pop culture or the world we live in and we pit them against each other. In the first three weeks, each of our contestants will present their choice, answering the questions on our definitive survey of greatness. And in week four, each contestant participates in a formal debate with a special guest judge. We've decided stuff like what's the best fruit, what's the best movie sequel, what is the best thing to do at a theme park, and so much more. There are literally years worth of arguments between the Multitude hosts to cover, so check it out. Head Heart Gut is exclusively for members of the Multicrew, which is our membership program that helps support all of Multitude. If you want a preview of the show, search for Head Heart Gut in your podcast app for the sample episodes, where you can listen to eight episodes for free. Again, search Head Heart Gut in your podcast player for a Head Heart Gut sample and see what the Multicrew has been loving for years. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. And sometimes in life, we are faced with tough choices and the path forward isn't always clear. It can be really difficult sometimes to figure out what is going to be best for you. Maybe you're facing things with a lot of doubt. Maybe you've been burned in the past and that is affecting your decision-making. And that's something that I tend to talk to a therapist about. And I find that therapy really helps me in dealing with decisions around my career, relationships, or anything like that. And trusting yourself to make the decisions that align with your values is like anything, which is like the more you practice it, the easier it gets. And practicing with a therapist really, really helps. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just have to fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Therapy is a way to help you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate life so that you can move forward with confidence and excitement. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com spirits today to get 10 percent off your first month. That is better H-E-L-P.com slash spirits. And now summer is in full swing and Brooklinen is here to help you swap out winter warmth for easy breezy comfort with their award-winning sheets and home essentials. They are perfect for hot sleepers, for staying cool and getting rest after fun in the sun. According to Wirecutter and Good Housekeeping, Brooklinen has best in class bedding. So if you don't trust me or their 100,000 five-star customer reviews, you know these experts have done the research. Brooklinen uses only the highest quality materials for all of their products, such as long staple cotton. So everything they create is built to last. I know that I get sweaty at night. I like to be as cool as possible when it comes to my summer nights. And even when I have the AC blasting, sometimes I used to still wake up sweating. But since I changed over to my Brooklyn and sheets, the buttery soft sheets, the best sheets on the internet, I have been really just sleeping like a baby every night. It is wonderful. And Brooklyn is the perfect way to build your own indoor oasis to escape the heat. The options are endless. So do yourself a favor by simplifying your shopping by bundling beds bath, and both. You can save time and up to 25% when bundling your new favorite home essentials. Shop in store or online at brooklinen.com today to give yourself the cooling sleep you deserve this summer. Use promo code SPIRITS for $20 off your online purchases of $100 or more plus free shipping on brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. Use promo code SPIRITS for $20 off plus free shipping. And now let's get back to the show. Now that we're back, uh, we always like to ask what y'all have been drinking lately, whether that is uh, cocktails, mocktails, maybe coffee to get through some of these photo shoots, etc. <laughs> what have y'all been enjoying lately? So we are lame. We are both non-drinkers. <laughs> so That's we are totally fine. People, okay. <laughs> mm -hmm. Welcomed and celebrated. Yes. We love a mocktail. 
So yes, I'm uh listen on a daily basis. I'm a lemonade girl. Okay. <laughs> like I can Ooh, yeah. I, I call myself a lemonade connoisseur. Okay. <laughs> so. All right. So what are, what are your, what are you looking for in a lemonade? What makes a great lemonade for you? Oh gosh. It has to be like the right <laughs> level of sweet, like not too bitter, not too sour. Um, yeah. You know, I, yeah, just, it, it can't be too bitter or too sour. I think it just needs to be like the right level not too sweet either. Like has to be like that perfect balance. Um. So yeah, I just, I'm a Southern girl, so we grew up on lemonade. Like lemonade was everywhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. I could do any type of lemonade, but yeah, I uh, that's that's my thing. Red, you're what I was gonna say. You're like I've been drinking a lot of coffee lately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, I mean, to be honest with you, I've never drank coffee before, but to be able to get through a lot right. of the stuff that we've been doing, <laughs> yeah, right. I had to <laughs> start getting um, Starbucks a lot. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. With three it. books now, <laughs> the business. Yeah. Right. I'll do it. What do I get? The blonde latte with the extra shots of espresso. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah, I see. Yes. And and cramps. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah. Now I gotta ask if you have a like uh, at home lemonade recipe that you're is your favorite, or you just like? I don't. I'm actually pretty like when when it comes to actually making it, like no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, fair, fair, totally fair. I have never had a homemade like a homemade lemonade is not like homemade iced tea. Yeah. Right, right, exactly. Like I feel like now there are like some certain uh, like restaurants that I, you know, we have like this restaurant, this soul food restaurant, Pascal's that I really like their lemonade. Um, so a lot of the soul food restaurants here, I feel like those are usually my favorites. So <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna buy like 30 lemons though to like make a gallon of lemonade at home. Right, right. That's what I'm saying. Right. So yeah, here yeah. like I can't nail it like they can't. So I don't even try. <laughs> right. Listen, leave it to the experts. Do you mess with like a, you know, hibiscus lemonade, like a, you know, like a an iced tea lemonade or just straight up? No, a straight lemonade. Yeah, I'm, I, Brad will tell you, I'm so picky and plain. Like I'm a Southern girl at heart. I grew up with my great grandmother who was like uh, this old Southern grandmother, right? And she literally had, she cooked soul food like five days a week, right? Beautiful. Wow. So I was like, yeah, we were, we were pretty much, that was it. You know, you got spoiled, you know, it doesn't get better than that. Simple and Southern, right? (laughs) Well, speaking of growing up, um, can you tell me a little bit about the stories you grew up with and are any of them represented in this book or is this book more of an effort to branch out beyond the things you grew up with? Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of them like, um, you know, Cinderella, obviously uh, Goldilocks and the three bears. That was really fun. Um, And, you know, Little Red Riding Hood, all of those are ones that I grew up with but you know even though I love you know doing the the reimaginings like I we both just like to tell new stories right like we we feel like that's kind of where we thrive um and you know we like coming up with our own characters and our own stories and so you know I think that was kind of the parts that we were most excited about even though you know we were excited obviously to kind of have a retelling of some of these existing stories but um yeah we just really enjoy coming up with new characters because it kind of gives us the creative outlet to do to have our you know our freedom right like there's no precedent so you know it's the sky's the limit we can do whatever so yeah I was I was kind of excited about that yeah and a lot of boys don't have stories either so i was excited that we included two um yeah brand new stories too as right well. right yeah because we had cartoons yeah. so <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. I want to transition a little to talk about the the African folklore uh, chapter in particular. Mm -hmm. And first story in that chapter right away is one of our favorite characters from like all of folklore, which is Anansi. Yes. Oh my gosh. Love Anansi. (laughs) Oh my god. Always good. Oh, and so many options for stories. How did you guys go about picking which stories you wanted to feature for this chapter? Yeah. Um, so same thing, you know, we had to kind of figure out which one what worked best for our imagery and then also like I said we weeded out a lot of them <laughs> because yep. a lot of them were like you know handing the the girl off to her partner you know and I was like um we really had to figure out where we could make the most the stories that made the most sense um for this Anansi story actually it was a really that was this is kind of my favorite I guess behind the scenes story of the shoot so a lot of people don't realize we were actually in this room we did the shoot from this room mm-hmm. the boy is in Ghana 
the body artists in Ghana, um, we figured out a way to remotely fire the camera. That's amazing. From our laptop. <laughs> wow. From our laptop here. So we were on Zoom and we were directing, we were, we directed him on Zoom. We were kind of watching the body artist do his thing on Zoom. Um, and once he had it all set up, we had an assistant that we guided on, you know, which settings to put the camera on. He put it on a tripod and, you know, how to set up the lighting. And then with the power of technology, <laughs> we were able to remotely fire the camera from our laptop. So, I mean, it is insane. So we literally, uh, if you guys in the book, so we had to make him a spider. <laughs> um, yes. And so, um, you know, we had to have his, you know, eight arms and we had him basically doing different, um, you know, hand positions. Uh, and we were able to kind of merge that together in Photoshop. So it was a really, really fun process. I can't wait to, I haven't shared like I'm going to create a reel that shows like all the behind the scenes moments from that, because it was just a super interesting process. And it's something that I haven't seen done before and I haven't done before myself, but I think it's going to open up the door for, you know, so many other opportunities, uh, you know, in, you know, case we aren't able to travel to a particular place, we could still, you know, figure out a way to do a shoot there. So I was super excited about that. Now, here I am really excited about yes. all these stories, but you're out here pioneering <laughs> intercontinental photography. Oh, God, right, right, right. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, it was insane. Like, I literally, because I remember during um, the COVID period, a lockdown, like a lot of photographers were doing these, uh, was it FaceTime sessions or something like that? Mm -hmm. And I thought that was cool. But, you know, as a photographer, you're like, I don't want the phone quality. Like, I want my camera quality, you know? <laughs> yeah, and you don't want to, like, get a hard drive shipped to you, right? Or, like, get it all on Dropbox later and be like, oh, my God, the aperture, like, whatever. Like, I want, you know, I want the camera quality. And I said, it just so happens we're ambassadors for Canon. And so they, uh, we worked with someone there that, you know, we figured out. Um, I was like, I knew that we already had the software. I just had to make sure that it could work. And so we kind of talked with them and they're like, yeah, I think this could work. And so wow. um, we did a trial run, um, you know, the day before. And I was like, like, okay, it's looking pretty good. Uh, I was super nervous though, because the, the body artist, even though he's in Ghana, he was from um, a different part of Ghana. So he had to fly in for the shoot. And so I was like, oh my gosh, like this has to go right. <laughs> so many pieces had to like connect together at the oh, right yeah. time. Yeah, like this has to go right, right? <laughs> and the little boy had never modeled before. It was my assistant's neighbor, right? <laughs> mm, really? I was going to say his hand modeling is like, incredible yeah right but like that was his first time ever modeling um and so my assistant we were you know kind of moving his arms to where we needed it to be and you know it just worked out so yeah i was i was so excited about it <laughs> that oh that's such a cool background yeah, story to those yeah. photos amazing <laughs> Oh my gosh. Another one that I really love from this chapter is the how the zebra got his stripe oh story goodness, and yes. your model with uh Vitiligo. <laughs> yes. It, it's it's such beautiful both like body art yes. and costuming and it just it features a, a really like I was going to say unique a unique he's yeah, he's unique so model. Unique. Oh my gosh. Like first of all, like I found him I think I was I forgot what I was looking for on Instagram and I just happened to run across I think his mom only had like four pictures of him on Instagram, <laughs> but I, mm. I, you know, found, found that picture. And I literally like stalked her down. I was like, listen, this kid <laughs> is so unique. Like I have to have him in this book. Like he has, I forgot the specific name of the type of vitiligo that he has, but he has a specific mm. type of vitiligo. His mom uh, told me that usually with vitiligo, um, people start with a few spots and then it moves throughout their body through, you know, throughout their lifetime. Um, he actually was born with it that way. And mm. it is symmetrically like, like on one side of his body only. And it literally, everyone asks if it's a painting, like it literally looks like a painting. It does. <laughs> it's on like one side of his chest, one side of his face. Like it is the most unique thing that I've ever seen in my life. And I think it's just absolutely gorgeous. Right. And so I knew that he would be perfect for the story. I wanted that to be the centerpiece. I wanted to obviously showcase his beautiful, you know, vitiligo stripes, but then also, you know, with um, the story, how the zebra got its stripes, you know, have um, some body art on one side with the zebra as well. So we had a lot of fun with that. It was just uh, fun for us, fun for him. We had a body artist come in and, and do the, the zebra stripes. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was just a really fun story. Yeah, and I love that there's that very striking image of him with the fire in the one hand as well, which is really cool. Yes, because uh, the baboon uh, burns his butt, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. 
for the process of this, did you choose the story and then like seek out a model with vitiligo or did you have the model in mind first? Yeah. So I knew that I had the model first and then um, we, you know, uh, we're kind of looking through the stories and I was like, oh, perfect fit, right? Like this would kind of go perfectly with what we envisioned for the imagery. So it was usually, you know, we had the stories in mind first and then we figured out um, the model. But in this particular case, I already had the model and I knew that, you know, we wanted to do something unique with him. That's amazing. I love that so much. <laughs> one of the stories in this chapter is actually one, like a, a few of these I had heard mm -hmm. before or like just had learned about uh, through research and stuff like that. Yes. But one of them that I hadn't heard before was the legend of Princess Yenanga. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's such an incredible story. For the listeners, can you give them a little tease about what the story is about? Yes, that's one of my favorites. So this story, the little girl, um, Princess Yeninga, she wants to, uh, again, there's like a big event, I guess you, like a sporting event, uh, basically where, um, you know, folks are trying to be the king's, uh, I don't know what you call it, like their assistant or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. They are wanting to compete, um, you know, run this race, and then they have to, I guess, do some spear fighting and some other things. And the king is telling her that she can't participate because she's a girl, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that only the boys can do it. And so she basically gets into this headdress um, to pretend like she's a boy to, to be to participate. Um, and she starts running the race um, and her headdress falls off and um, they realize that she's a girl and the girls in the um, crowd basically like erupt and cheer and they like start cheering her on. And she actually ends up winning the, the race and winning the contest and goes on obviously to, to you know, win the spot. But, you know, it's just kind of a story showing that, you know, girls can do it too kind of thing, you know, mm -hmm. uh, kind of a girl female empowerment story. But I love that, you know, she was just strong and will, you know, strong willed um, and, you know, didn't let that stop her. She was just like, listen, I can do whatever the boys can do. Right. <laughs> So yeah, I love that that story. It's a very good one. And I love the the retelling of it and the artistry of it. It's it's really, really awesome. Thank you. I also just one more in this part of this story. And I really like not only that you guys were doing kind of um, stories like African, traditional African mm -hmm. folklore, mm -hmm. but also telling kind of um, African-American and African diaspora stories. Right. And the fact that you featured John Henry was something Henry, that I was really yes. excited to see. Because <laughs> yes. like when you open up a a uh, guess like a fairy tale book you're not expecting to see something that is very like, like a john henry right <laughs> like a john henry yes. right and so that was a really fun and interesting choice to include in the book and i just felt like it was such a classic story in terms of african-american folklore um but it's mm -hmm. not heard enough you know what i mean um yeah. and for that one that was actually the only story that we didn't do a new shoot for um so the interesting thing was when we um, we're coming up with like the mood board and, you know, what we wanted to do, we realized that we had actually already done a similar shoot. I can't even remember what he wanted to do oh eventually. Yeah. I think he had Legos and Minecraft. Yes. Minecraft. That's what yes. it was. Um, yeah. and I was like, it was like the exact imagery that we were wanting for this John Henry story. So we took the, the, the original images were just, um, on like a studio backdrop. And so we basically, you know, kind of merged it together with, uh, other imagery in Photoshop to, you know, give it a background and give it imagery, um, give it a setting. And it was exactly what we were looking for, for the John Henry story. So that was like our first one. We were like, oh, check, done, you know. All <laughs> but, right, we're all good. Yes, but it actually, like, I love those images. I think that it was just like, even though it's like a Minecraft, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, hammer, but it was, uh, yes. And he actually, um, the, the boy actually is a model. He has autism, uh, but uh, it was, you know, kind of a perfect fit for, for the story. And, you know, I love that we were able to include him in the book as well. That's one of the most like formative cartoons for me is that like the the cartoon version of of john henry yes and I thought that model was such a perfect, like, I, I would never have guessed that that was not a purpose-made shoot um, for this story. So perfect. Yeah, it was so perfect. Like, I mean, we were literally trying to come up with other images. And I was like, literally, like, this is this is everything that we were wanting right here. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Incredible. So we'll close out, I guess, uh, with a little bit more about the original stories that you guys wrote for the book and, and decided to shoot for it. In choosing what those stories were, 
what was the kind of like ethos or choices that you were making that you wanted to share? Because obviously this is a book about fairy tales. You know, you want to make sure that you're getting kind of uh, lessons across, right? Yes. What inspired you in terms of lessons that you want to pass on to these? I think really more so than the lessons, I think it was imagery around them, right? Like I wanted, I felt like what's kind of missing from the traditional stories, right? Like I, like I said, the, the princes with no hair, I felt like all the princesses had long hair or they had, you know, a lot of hair. We also wanted trying to think what else we had in there. Um, the little girl that had cerebral palsy, right? Um, and we wanted to highlight kids with disabilities. And so it was really more so of, you know, what else was missing from that story? You know, we also obviously wanted to do that story, uh, the wish with the cowboy, you know, something that just really spoke to, you know, little boys uh, because we felt like, you know, obviously it's a lot of the stories lean more towards the girls. And so it was just kind of looking at what else is missing. And then obviously, what were some of the things that we really wanted to do um, in terms of imagery that we hadn't done? So like the Candyland story, um, you know, and then we wanted to do something that had more of like an Afrofuturistic feel. So I'm trying to remember the name of the story, but there was one girl in there that had, it was like a futuristic type of story. So And the skateboarding princess, which is incredible. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it is. So yeah, we were um, trying to figure out how we could, you know, incorporate some of those things that were missing from the traditional stories um, in the African folklore. Amazing. Well, Karen, Reg, thank you so, so much for coming on. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you guys so much for having us. This is amazing. (laughs) Can you tell people where they can find Crowned and find your work online? So Crowned is available wherever books are sold. Um, You can visit creativesoulphoto.com slash crowned to learn more about it. Um, That's crowned with an ED. (laughs) Um, And um, our website is creativesoulphoto.com. And you can find us on any of the social media channels at creative soul photo amazing thank you so so much and remember listeners next time you are picturing yourself as a prince or princess stay creepy stay cool spirits was created by amanda mclaughlin julia shafini and eric schneider with music by kevin mcleod and visual design by allison wakeman keep up with all things creepy and cool by following us at spirits podcast on twitter instagram facebook and tumblr we also have all of our episode transcripts guest appearances and merch on our website as well as a form to send us in your urban legends and your advice from folklore questions at spiritspodcast.com Join our member community on Patreon, patreon.com slash spiritspodcast, for all kinds of behind-the-scenes goodies. Just a dollar gets you access to audio extras with so much more, like recipe cards, both alcoholic and non-alcoholic, for every single episode, director's commentaries, real physical gifts, and more. We are a founding member of Multitude, an independent podcast collective and production studio. If you like spirits, you will love the other shows that live on our website at multitude.productions. Above all else, if you liked what you heard today, please text one friend about us. That's the very best way to help keep us growing. Thanks for listening to Spirits. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.